This is Flip Gordon, and you are listening to Wrestling POV Podcast. What's going on, everybody? It's the MLW's Kiro Kwan, representing the Contra Unit, and we're here with Wrestling POV's Global Entertainment Podcast. This is the American Nightmare, Cody Rhodes, and you are listening to the Wrestling POV Podcast. This is Jeff Cobb. You're listening to WPOV Global. From quarantine headquarters across the nation, from basements owned by your mother or maybe your wife, comes the crazy tale of three young men forging their way through the barren, empty wasteland that is currently professional wrestling. We're talking about the boys at WPOV Global. I'm your host, the legend T. James Logan. Yes, I'm hopped up on Diet Coke. With me as always, the gentleman, Elio Canella. He is a gentleman, lady. Ask for his number later. What's going on? And of course, Ant the Liberated. Not sure what he's liberated from this week, but you know it's there. Ant. <laughs> I'll tell you what I'm liberated from. Was it me? <laughs> <laughs> no. Covering three live UFC events in an eight-day span. Yes. So El- glad to be over there. <laughs> liberated this week from the UFC. Oh, my yeah. Lord. <laughs> Folks, that was just the UFC. Imagine if MMA and other companies decided to all throw shit in the oh, same God. week, too. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? Great job, buddy. You covered a lot appreciate of stuff it. for the, the site, and, and uh, great work. I'm going to throw that out there now. Much great appreciated. Work. Glad to be back. Now, Elio, how was your week, brother? Oh, my week's been great. Yeah, what'd you do? Did you do anything exciting? Uh, just caught up on some movies. Uh... I don't know why I decided to do this, but I was I was watching the Jeffersons yesterday. Uh-huh. Did, so, did you move on up? <laughs> no, I didn't move on up. I'm not sure. I remember much of the show, but I remember the theme song. Yeah, why not? <laughs> why not? And how was your week, brother? Um, week was good. I and mean, I'm actually uh in preparation to celebrate my mom and my aunt's birthday, which is the twenty first. So we'll be celebrating mm-hmm. on tomorrow is well it's Saturday. The lovely young ladies will be turning sixty nine. So looking forward to celebrating their lives and that's yeah. excellent. That's excellent. Uh guys, now I know Elio, you might not have a clue what we're gonna talk about this part here. But Aunt, you're a married man, so you might understand this yourself. But I went through what is definitely the toughest part of a week for a married man. Yes, the in-laws came to stay for the week. <laughs> I survived. I'm alive. No. Barely. <laughs> but I managed to do it through your your hopes and prayers. I don't know. <laughs> Secret alcohol down in the fridge downstairs. Uh, it, was a, it was a week. It was a week. We're going to say that. <laughs> but you know what? Uh, wrestling. Wrestling is always there. Well, <laughs> let's keep hoping it's always there. If this COVID thing keeps going, that might, that might dry up for a little while too. Right. But as it is right now, uh, we still got wrestling to cover. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess, you know, we talk about uh, – there, there has been a bit of news this week. We'll, we'll talk really quickly uh, about the death of a, a WWE wrestler. Um, I'm sure many of you have probably seen on the news different feeds about Shad Gaspard. Uh, now, I, I, I don't know the exact thing because, like, like there's always conflict in reports. But one of the things that I saw had said something that he had been swimming with his 10-year-old son. They mm-hmm. both got dragged under the water. Lifeguards managed to rescue the 10-year-old son, but he went under. They could not see him again. And I guess his body turned up the next day on the shore. 
So uh, Shad, who most of you who remember him will remember him as one half of the infamous Crime Time. Uh, that's a, that's a tough break, man. That's sad, and 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 uh, I feel bad for the family, and I send my condolences. And uh, the I mean the only only uh, good thing that came out of this situation is thank goodness the son survived. Ten years old is a extremely young age to be taken away. And uh, so all of us here at WPOV Global would like to send our condolences to the family of Chad Gaspar. It's always tough reading about the death of any wrestler. Now, let's take a look at, uh, well, we don't have any viewer mail because well, we keep hiding. I keep changing the email. I don't want to hear what these people say about me. I'm going to be honest, boys. I don't care. No, 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 no. Uh, let's talk about our hot topic of the week, okay? The hot topic of the week uh, was an interesting question because we've discussed this at length a lot of times and it's, it's about Lance Archer. Now to set the stage for the question, I'm going to just say this right off the bat. The debut of Lance Archer on AEW was one of the most atrocious piece of shit debuts that I have seen in a long time. They took a great wrestler with a great look who had great potential with some great ideas and they pooped it out of a diaper at 60 miles an hour. This, this was crap debut. What a horrible way. And you can't even blame it on the virus. You can't blame it on quarantine. They, they shit the bed on this one. Now here's the question. They're building Lance Archer to be this big monster. They've had Jake the Snake Roberts as his constant companion. They've had Cody as the foil. They've had all kinds of big vignettes and kind of things. There hasn't really been too many matches with, with him except for squash matches. The question I threw out there, has AEW, in a sense, have they redeemed themselves? Have they made Lance Archer into a legitimate uh, monster? Have they, have they done him good? Or have they just continued to crap the bed on the way they present him. And I'm gonna open up, first of all, with Ant. Ant, from that debut to what we're getting today and to what the potentials could be, in your mind, have they kind of redeemed themselves? Have they groomed him up to be a credible monster and contender? Or have they really just kind of successfully shit the bed constantly? Now, when I think of the debut of Lance Archer, I have to go back just a little bit and look at how he was presented. And that was by way of the promo of the year, a promo of the year candidate in Jake the Snake Roberts, the way he came forth, the words and the energy that he gave off that Archer was going to come in and be this monster that not only wreaks havoc upon Cody, but AEW as a whole. Unfortunately, Archer's presentation have not lived up to that billing. The most monstrous thing we've seen him do was in his uh, TNT Championship Tournament match against uh, Dustin Rhodes, where you know he busted him open and you know pounded his head on the ground a few times before pinning him and moving on to the next round. Um, they have definitely defecated in the bed on this one, <laughs> and I mean horribly. I don't know if there are enough washing cycles to clean the mess that they left behind as a result of this debacle. Um, maybe, I don't know, if he wins the belt this Saturday at double or nothing, maybe at that point we will see an elevation of character, but as it stands right now, they've dropped the ball horribly on his presentation up to this point. All righty. What do you think, Elio? Yeah, um, going back to his debut, um, that one week where they played that video package where he was beating up those guys in that backyard ring, I think they should have been playing vignettes like that to leading up to his debut. 
It's mm-hmm. the, that DB was just terrible. And um, I just think uh, his presentations just stayed the same. It seems like every week the heat is is getting more on Jake than on Lance Archer. Mm, that is one thing to look at. Jake the Snake does kind of seem to be overshadowing Archer's presentation for sure. Um, I was so disappointed in this um, debut. Uh, I know what Lance Archer's like. I mean, we, me and Elio, we've been following New Japan for a while. Um, him uh, joining, you know, when he was with part of Suzuki Goon, him and uh, Davey Boy Smith Jr., monster tag team. Uh, these guys scared the crap out of people when they come in. And, you know, leading up to his AEW debut, uh, the last while in New Japan, they were focusing on him. He, he was in the G1. He looked tremendous last year in the G1. He didn't win very many matches, but he came off as a legitimate badass. Uh, he, he brought back the claw. I mean, the goofiest freaking move of my youth was the claw. I put the claw on my 10-year-old son. He puts, or my four-year-old son. He puts it on my head. We claw each other and we act like it's, you know, it is a goofy shit, okay? But he brought it back and made it look kind of credible and cool. And I was so excited about this. And I'm going to throw this. I know I sound like a broken record when I say this sometimes. But some of these guys I've, I've gotten to meet and get to know a bit. I spent one afternoon with Lance Archer a couple of years ago at a big benefit uh, in Calgary backstage and interviewed him and hung out with him a bit. Totally super cool laid back guy. I know it's hard to tell when you see him on there. He looks like a freaking maniac. But seriously, giant teddy bear. Sweet, pretty nice guy. Uh, just respectful, nice. I... I remember leaving there thinking, man, I wish more things would happen with this guy because he deserves, he's that kind of guy. You, you feel like he deserves it, you know? So I love that they have this presentation that they're allowing to, to have, but it's like, you know what? It, it, say, say, Aunt, you were a giant fan of chocolate cake and you mm-hmm. love freaking chocolate cake. That was the cake for you, right? So it doesn't matter how great of a vanilla cake I make. It doesn't matter if I made the best goddamn vanilla cake in the world. I hand it to you. It ain't a chocolate cake. It ain't what you want. And that's the problem here is they're presenting something in such a bad way that people aren't getting exactly what they want. And it's so sad because we do have something great in Lance Archer and they're pissing it away. Uh, the amount, the, the kind of, Okay, I do like the fact he comes out and attacks somebody constantly. Although, with the, with the lack of people at the ringside and the thing, it does come off as super extra staged. That's a problem. Um, dumb things that Cody does. Uh, Cody seems to do stuff for himself that looks fantastic, but when it involves other people, it seems like he mails it in. I mean, what was the point of getting in your truck, revving it to drive five feet so you could hop out and do a, a sad fake battle. I, I you know, it, it just, pointless. It, it not only pointless, it came off as pathetically laughable, not even funny laughable, but like, oh man, wrestling some cheap shit. Look at that. Not cool, not mm-hmm. cool. And all it does is that kind of stuff really cuts in to what uh, Lance Archer is. It makes him look worse, you know? And then you get stuff like, look at Jake Roberts. He starts off with these great promos. That's great. Let him have that promo of the year. Maybe even the second one. But if you're going to get a guy who talks so well that he can be promo of the year, unless the wrestler is wrestling the matches of the year, the wrestler does not look good. So basically, he looks like he could be the, the, the throwaway pawn 
of Jake Roberts because, you know, we'll use him up till he fails and then I'll find someone else. Instead of he's the monster that, you know, Roberts is keeping at bay. Not coming across as that at all. And, that, and that's a sad thing. Um, I remembered last week, and Elio, made, Elio changed my mind on this because at first I thought it was kind of cool that Jake was in the ring kind of giving a play-by-play as they were fighting. But then when, you know, Elio pointed out to me and, and made me relook at it again, and I realized looking at it closer, how horrible that came off, really. <laughs> it came off pretty sad, and it came off looking really bad. And their, their exchange. Uh, you you know, couldn't understand what he was saying on the mic. Not only that, but I mean, the exchange, their last, they finally get their hands on each other. Yep. And it's full of like kicks that are nowhere near faces. They're nowhere near bodies. Mm-hmm. They're shadow boxing in the air and just making it look so bad. You know? Um, and I, I, I get it, you're a monster. But if someone kicks you in the balls as a monster, you take it and you walk away, fine. You go down, well, then you, you stay down. You don't take it, go down, and then you're up 30 seconds later. You know, and that's exactly what kind of junk happened in this sort of thing. And I, I think that it's, it's, they're not doing him a favor. I mean, it could have, they could make it worse. Oh my God, they could make it worse, but they sure not made it good. And uh, I think when a great big guy is reduced to looking a bit of a joke, that is wrong. There's something wrong there. Now, Elio, I know you've got some uh, mail came in. Uh, we had two pieces from, ironically, the boys at, uh, Wrestling POV. Yep. What did they got to say on this topic? Hey, so let's uh, pull up the comments here. And while Elio was looking for the comments, let me just say, while I haven't seen all of Lance's New Japan work, I have seen some. And even go a little further back in history, I'll speak on behalf of those that have seen his work in TNA, when he battled guys like your Molly Browns, like your Hernandez's, and yep. on some hell of, hell of quality matches that made you say, wow, this is the next big guy to look out for. And then he gets to AEW and doesn't quite live up to snuff. And it's not, unfortunately, it's not his fault. Yeah, that's the sad part is they are the ones undercutting him. Yep. Okay, so here we go. Rick's round the third writes, it's the same and slowly getting worse as Jake the Snake, as amazing as he has been, is taking some of the shine from Archer. Fair enough, fair enough. And Tony Tony Diaz just posted him chip saying terrible. Horrible. <laughs> terrible. So um so our good friends uh Rick Durango the third <laughs> and uh Tony um Diabolicals, whatever his name is. They can't pronounce uh, TJ? Huh. Okay, whatever they're uh Rick Diabolicals or whatever your guys' names are. Thanks for your input. Interesting. Not going to say it. <laughs> you guys are waiting for me to say stupid, weren't you? <laughs> I saw the look on your guys' face. Anyhow, um, no, well, I think we can all agree on that. Lance Archer has not been uh, paid any services of good by the crew at AEW, for sure. Now, um, I realize one thing uh, we're going to have to talk about at the end of the show after our second interview. We better take a quick recap of what's going to happen at Double or Nothing, give our predictions really quick, okay? Mm-hmm. But I think right now, we're going to cut over to an interview that I uh, just did last week from a wrestler slash promoter who's probably the biggest promoter in Central Canada right now. He's also, you know, I talked with him and he mentions this, and these are actual numbers. His company after the WWE is the biggest touring company in North America. 
He put on over 250 plus shows last year. Throw that in your mind, guys, when you think about companies you know that go once or twice a month. He does, he does tours of 40 days across you know, provinces and into the States. It's amazing. And we're going to talk to him. And uh, yeah, let's cut over to Hotshot Danny Duggan. Hey folks, welcome to another special edition from WPOV Global. I'm your host, legend T. James Logan. Have with me today on our side, we're not doing our regular show, we're doing interviews. You caught the last one we did, here's the next one. This one, we're talking to a wrestler uh, who's been making a big name across Canada for sure. I'm talking about Hotshot Danny Duggan. Danny, first of all, man, tell us what's going on in the world of Danny Duggan. Well, first and foremost, I got to tell you, you got that introduction wrong. If you're going to introduce me, you need to introduce me as the man with arms of steel and ass with sex appeal. He's Jack. He's Fanny Pat. He's Hot Shot Danny Duggan. Now, Danny, I, you're one of those guys who I've seen a couple times. Uh, well, let's not say a couple times. I've seen you over the past couple of years across Western Canada. And I always say this to you, and I know you probably hear many uh, promoters or many wrestlers who are greasing you up for shit to say uh whatever but i i honestly every time i see you i'm like how is this dude not signed in a big company you're in a world of indie wrestlers who just aren't big enough you're a freaking presence and you wrestle I'm the shit, to be honest with you i just must be that bad i just don't i just you know keep on trying <laughs> to keep on getting down uh you know that's that's a question i've had to ask myself many of times and and that's one of the crazy things about the wrestling business that i think a lot of people in the industry don't fully understand and and maybe fans as well as you know i i firmly believe i have the talent you could put me on any television show tomorrow and i'm going to excel and it's been proven because i would say 90 percent of the wrestlers on tv today if they've been through the independence i have wrestled them in main event matches on the independence i've excelled and in some cases carried some of them to some some good <laughs> matches along the way uh so i i know from a wrestling standpoint that's you know that's somewhere i can fit in if, if given the opportunity and luckily i have been given many opportunities whether it's with wwe or ring of honor in japan uh but wrestling's a crazy thing. It's, it's, it's very much the right place, the right time. Uh, it's, it's very much like casting for a movie. And there's a lot more that goes into it than just being a good wrestler. So I try to be well-rounded. I, I, you know, I make sure my wrestling is up to snuff. I make sure, like you mentioned, being a physical presence. I'm probably one of the few independent wrestlers, you know, that, that is 265 pounds of muscle. That's, you know, a thing of the past in this day and age. Uh, I like to be able to think if you put a microphone in front of me, I'm going to be able to talk to an audience and draw them into the building. Uh, but, you know, you just have to wait. There's, there's some guys that don't ever get their big break, so to speak, but I've also been very lucky for, you know, 17 and a half years now to make my living as a professional wrestler. So to me, that's, that's a win as well. And hopefully, you know, the cards fall in the right place to get some other opportunities down the road. But in, in the meantime, we're just going to keep on rocking and rolling and strutting and strolling and doing our thing across Canada. You know what, uh, when, when I've actually thought sometimes of some of the big, uh, some of the greater wrestlers that I've seen in Canada, and I wondered to myself, like, well, how isn't this guy getting a look at? The only thing I can ever think of is geography. You know, a hundred percent. You know, you like, nailed it. I, I know you love Winnipeg. It's a dead central of Canada, and that means a lot to Canadians. But unfortunately, American promoters, it's, they, they, they have no clue where we are. I have, I have Americans who walk up to me and say, hey, did you see my brother John in Toronto yesterday? <laughs> yeah, we waved as I walked by in Edmonton. You know, like... <laughs> that, that happens almost every, every trip I take to the U.S. And, and quite honestly, I wrestle in the U.S. more than I do in Canada mm -hmm. on a regular basis. And, and that, that is a running joke because that will be said. Somebody will be like, oh, you're from Canada. I know somebody who lives in uh, Vancouver. Oh, yeah, John down the street. Yeah, I know him too. Yeah. Uh, but that, 
that, you know, from a promotion and a wrestling standpoint, that's, that's been a huge challenge. And, mm-hmm. you know, luckily Winnipeg's getting some love these days with Kenny Omega, you know, being the big star he is and Chris Jericho, you know, being successful mm-hmm. as he has been the last 20 years, but being in the middle of Canada from, uh, an economic standpoint for a wrestling promoter, it's, it's very challenging to justify the expense regardless of how talented somebody is to, to add that to an independent wrestling budget. As a promoter myself, I fully understand that and appreciate mm-hmm. that. And that's why, you know, I, I am very lucky to uh, wrestle in the U S as often as I am where a few other Canadians don't get that opportunity that are equally as skilled, if not better, um, because I'm understanding of the economics of it. I try to work with promoters to make a re- make it a reality to book me understanding mm-hmm. both ends of the coin. But, you know, even from a promoting standpoint, like just getting talent to where I'm at is, is very expensive. So getting talent out such as myself is it, a costly measure. And, you know, before Kenny Omega got the big break he did in Japan, he was working with Ring of Honor and was on his way to being one of the best wrestlers in the world. And they had to stop using him because a flight from Winnipeg was too expensive. So when you have to cut back on using Kenny Omega, that, that goes to show the expense that, that's involved in, in bringing in talent from Central Canada. So I've always said we're kind of geographically in the middle of nowhere, and that goes from wrestlers in Manitoba, Saskatchewan, Alberta. And, you know, there are ways around it. There are some guys that have been very successful. You can hear my daughter in the background giving her advice. Um, <laughs> There are, uh, there, there are ways to do it, and there's a few guys that have lucked out, like a Michael Elgin or a Kyle O'Reilly that essentially, you know, went down to the U.S. and kind of lived under the radar, uh, you know, until mm-hmm. they got, you know, got a contract that allowed them a work visa to do it. But unfortunately, it's not as easy as just picking up and going and, mm-hmm. and living in the U.S. And, and getting an opportunity that way. There, there's a lot of legalities and red, red tape that has to go through it that prevents a lot of guys from getting that chance. So we all try to just keep taking the chances we do to try to get noticed when we can and, and earn a living the best way we can and hope that that golden goose comes where we can you know then cross over and do it full time but it's it's very challenging and it's a very expensive process that unfortunately harnesses a lot of Canadian wrestlers. Now I know one thing that uh, you brought up and I was I was wondering if you were going to mention it before I did is a lot of people who are listening are thinking wow this guy is really well spoken for a wrestler but you are also a promoter you know the business from the other side also and uh, tell us a bit about uh, your, like you run a company now called uh, Canadian Wrestling Elite and how long is it how long has it been together and and tell us a bit about the running of that and how vastly different that is from being a wrestler or a performer well it definitely gives you a different perspective uh cwe has been around for 11 years we were actually supposed to start our 11th anniversary tour this past sunday we just had to officially announce the cancellation of the whole thing yesterday as we have 36 events scheduled april 26th through may 31st and we're going to be covering six provinces bc alberta saskatchewan manitoba ontario and our debut in quebec uh so it was going to be the biggest tour in in company history and unfortunately uh covid19 put a a dead stop to that so we're kind of regrouping and hoping to get back on the road with a full-size tour come the fall uh but in terms of the differences of it uh you know it's you know running joke in the industry that you know wrestlers will bitch and complain just about anything whether it's their cash their creative their travel their whatever the case may be, their locker room arrangements for the night. Um, but it's, you know, wrestlers are, are, are commonly known for never, you know, never being completely satisfied. And, and it's given me a different perspective in the sense that I've always told guys that are complaining, especially when it comes to the financial end of the business and, and certain aspects of running a show until you've actually invested your money and, and gone through the process of even running one show, never mind multiple shows, you truly don't understand or fully appreciate what a promoter does and the risks he takes and the challenges he has putting forth a successful show that hopefully will make money 
And if it does, is it going to be really worth it in the long run? Or worst case, you know, lose a lot of money, which does happen too, even when you do put your best foot forward. So it definitely gives you a different appreciation for, for the wrestling business and what promoters do. And I think that's why I've had such a successful relationship with so many promoters that, that do make the investment in me across Canada and the United States and, and beyond, because I do have an understanding of, of the logistics that go into it. So I like to think I'm very easygoing and, and easy to work with in that sense, because I can appreciate where they're coming from on their end. You know what, there's two very important things, folks, that I want to pull out of what uh, Danny just said here. Um, <clears throat> two things that are very important, and I hope you caught them. First of all, he just said, and I want you to find any other company right now that is doing a 36-stop tour anywhere, even in North America, if you're not one of the big, you know, NXT touring things. Nobody does that. People are no. talking about that. That's the old days. Outside of WWE, CWE runs more live events than any other organization in North America. And that's something we do proudly. And, you know, with WWE cutting back their, their live event schedule in the last year or so, you know, we might be, once things get back up and running, we might even produce more events than they do because they have been scaling back to, you know, two or three live events a week. Uh, but, yeah, there's, there's been many, the last couple of years, 100-plus events a year we run. I think our most was 122 two years back, and we were on pace to do something like that again this year. And uh, we're going to probably have to take a step back and rebuild a little bit given the circumstances of the delayed tour and just the, the financial disaster it caused. But we'll get back up there again. We're still going to run large tours, but they'll probably have to be a little smaller than usual just until we can kind of recoup some costs and get back in the saddle, so to speak. But that's, that, that was the idea is to bring back the, the territory system of professional wrestling and, and have wrestlers on the road living the life. Now, um, I, I've worked with uh, other companies and been around other companies who've done mini tours and stuff like that. One thing that I really appreciate about your touring company is the actual structure of it is really unique. Um, you actually are so well-rounded in what you give the people. I mean, I've noticed your tours always consist of uh, a third of the people to a half of the people are your regularly tour guys from Winnipeg that you work with regularly. Uh, you tend to bring in a legend who maybe he doesn't sometimes wrestle. Maybe he's just a guy that everyone wants to meet and sign autographs and hear stories from. You usually bring an older guy who does wrestle, maybe not at the top of his thing, but he's once again, I never got a chance to see, say, so-and-so. Well, here he is. And then you bring something that I find really unique is you tend to bring in a bunch of independent American wrestlers who are starting to make names for themselves at other places who are definitely guys that should be on the radar and who are going to be on the radar, but all of a sudden they're touring with you and getting that experience too. And we're treated to names that I've heard from other places. And I'm like, wow, a name like say Garrison Creed or um, Tony Kazina, um, these kind of things make such a well-rounded show for you that every time I watch your shows, um, I'm just uh, amazed at how, without even being able to follow your brand regularly from Winnipeg, I can immerse myself into one of your shows and enjoy it. And it seems like the crowds that have been in the tours have been feeling that same way. Um, how did you come up with that model? That was that just a, that's a stroke of brilliance, by the way. Well, a lot of it was just the, the, the luck of the draw, so to speak, in the sense that when we're running as many shows as we're running, wrestlers want to work and they want to wrestle as much as they possibly can. So when we expanded from doing four or five show tours to 15 show tours, 20 show tours, 30 show tours, etc., people in the industry start taking notice. A lot of nights you can get paid to wrestle where you're traditionally 
occasionally sitting, especially if you're in the U.S. where wrestling happens on a Saturday, Friday night, you know, maybe a Thursday, Sunday if you're lucky. But, you know, two to three times a week at best. So for guys to be able to wrestle seven days a week for four to five weeks on end, that brings up the guys who really want to do this. So we kind of have the pick of the litter on, on who we want to use because hundreds of wrestlers reach out a year. And I'm a big believer on producing, you know, uh, a variety on our wrestling show, which I, I don't like, uh, I, I call it a one note wrestling show where it's all one style, one certain style of wrestler or one certain style of wrestling in general. There needs to be variety. There needs to be something for everybody. If you've seen every, if you've seen it match one and then again in match two, there's no, there's no point match three, four, five, six and, and beyond. If that's the case, if everybody is the same. So I like to try to offer a little bit of something different for everybody. Like you mentioned, I like to bring in a WWE legend or someone from that era for, for the nostalgia factor that that's going to have the traditional old school wrestling fan coming out that may no longer follow professional wrestling, but they want to come and see one of their childhood heroes. And then we have, you know, a regular revolving door of, of current and active ring of honor talent, impact wrestling talent. Uh, we have some of our top stars that are based out of Winnipeg, where we're based out of that are on the tour with us. And then we just kind of go down the list and, and we, we've got kind of what's, like I said, our pick of the litter. I think on one tour, a few tours back, we had wrestlers representing seven different countries that were all on the same tour. And then you factor in the women's wrestlers as well. I think this past tour that we just canceled uh, was scheduled to have something like seven or eight women uh, on wow. the tour at one point, which was going to be a new company record. Uh, so, and then, and then of course you mentioned, you know, guys that quite haven't got their big break yet. Like, Chase Owens before he got his big mm -hmm. break in New Japan Pro Wrestling in the Bullet Club, that shirt you're wearing right there. Uh, Leo Rush <laughs> right before he went to WWE. Um, many like there's many top guys you're watching right now in mm -hmm. WWE, AEW, uh, Ring of Honor, etc. That that went and toured with CWE before getting their big break. So we were lucky to kind of have their footprint in our history as well before they went on to be a big star. So we try to find some of those 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 diamonds in the the rough, so to speak, those little hidden gems and try to try to get our hands on them as well before before they're taken away for good and, and making the big dollars elsewhere. Now, um, I'm going to ask you is, uh, you are obviously willing to travel now, like uh, you traveled, you are well traveled. Just how far are you willing to travel for a, for a promoter who would pay for you? Dude, I, I think like two weeks before the the COVID lockdown, I had done a trip from West Virginia home, which was like a 22 hour drive straight back. <laughs> Uh, so I, I'm not afraid to get in the car and travel. I actually prefer it. If I can drive over fly, I usually try to take that option whenever possible. Because I, I broke into the business at 15 years old and was was on tour by the time I was 16 for other companies that were around at the time. So that 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 style of, of travel in the business is kind of what hooked me and fall in love with it. And it's what I've been accustomed to since the very beginning. Uh, so because of that, um, I've been, uh, you know, always trying to you know, whenever I get the opportunity to get in the car and go, I, my body doesn't appreciate it as much at this, this point in my life, but the mind still does and the heart still does. So if, if it's possible to get in the car and drive somewhere, as, as long as is it economical to do so, I'll, I'll drive from one end of this continent to the other. Now, um, for fans who are tuning in and have not seen you wrestle yourself, is there places out there? Is there YouTube stuff? Is there, where can people find stuff about uh, Danny Dune? What can, they, what can they look up? You can you can check me out on social media. There's regular updates on there, whether it be picture, video, promos, things of that nature, and then I'm, and that's at Hotshot Danny Duggan on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, uh, as well as you pop my name in there. I'm sure there's there's got to be you know over 100 matches on there at this point, whether it be through me directly or through CWE. Now CWE, do you have uh, ongoing stuff that people can? I, I know at one time you had a show. Do you guys are do you still have a show running? 
we, we did have a weekly television show at one point that that's currently inactive at the moment, but we, uh, we do have some news that we were hoping to announce at the end of uh, May at our anniversary tour that the, the, pro, the TV show was going to be returning uh, before nice. the end. 2020 so i won't get into the details on that yet so i don't know i don't know if how things have changed given the current environment but the plan is and was to uh, be back on on weekly television across canada starting uh you know sometime in in mid this year so we're hopeful that's still on track to do just that okay so now folks this is the part where we're going to give uh danny a chance to put out all for and for him it's a double thing here because we're going to do two things first of all for wrestler if you're interested in hotshot danny duggan how can you get a hold? How can people, how can fans buy merchandise of yours? How can promoters get a hold of you? How can people find you? Why don't you throw out all those social media links right now? Hotshot Danny Duggan on Facebook, Hotshot Danny D on Twitter and Instagram due to the smaller handle they allow, and email Danny Duggan at gmail.com, all one word, all lowercase. Those are the best, most direct ways to reach me. And if you're interested in CWE, either in the fact of becoming a fan, uh, finding merchandise, or a wrestler looking to hopefully send a tape or whatever to get the attention of Mr. Dugan, how give us all your CWE handles and whatnot. If somebody actually still sent me a VHS tape, they'd probably have a bigger chance of being booked. I'd probably pop for that. Yeah, I know. That's um, I said that for you. I know you. <laughs> I, I actually, I, I broke in when you still had to send VHS tapes to get booked. So I have done that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> at CWE Canada on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, as well as our YouTube channel. Uh, if the, the ones on Facebook uh, will go directly to me. So if you reach out through that way, that, that will find its way to me faster than, than some of the other avenues. Excellent. And uh, last, uh, last question for wrestler and last question for promoter. For wrestler, what are you hoping the year's coming for Danny Dugan? What, 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 are, you, what are you looking for exactly? Well, for me as a wrestler, it, it's kind of, it kind of joins in with, with the promoting side of mm -hmm. things. Um, you know, I, I usually, I want to say over the last five, six years, I've been wrestling 200 plus matches a year and I want to keep that schedule up. The body is still young enough to keep on going, even though some days it doesn't agree with that. <laughs> but <laughs> I'd wrestle 365 days a year if given the opportunity. So I like to keep that schedule full and it doesn't matter where it is in Canada, the United States, or, or even further than that, if there's a wrestling ring and a, a desire to have me there, the plan is to be there and keep that schedule as full as possible. But at the same time, as much as I, I do look to, to continue seeking and, and earning opportunities with other major American organizations, I'm still very driven to, to see CWE continue to become Canada's national touring brand and the only touring brand in, in North America outside of WWE. So that's going to kind of go hand in hand to, to keep on creating a full-time wrestling environment for, for the CWE brand and the wrestlers that, that do perform for it. So hopefully the two will coincide together and keep everybody busy just, just the same. Excellent. And you know what? To all our Russian fans, we do have a good growing Russian audience. This guy will go to Russia. He will wrestle for you. You pay him enough ruples. You get him in there. He's not American. He ain't going to bitch about stuff. So yeah, he's a Canadian. And, he's and a happy I, guy. And, and, and vodka is my, my drink of choice. So it's a perfect fit. Excellent. Well, you know what, Daddy? We want to thank you for taking the time to talk with us. And uh, you know what? You've, you've always been impressed with me. Uh, I've always loved dealing with you. Every time your tour comes out here, I, I try my best to get out and uh, at least tell people about it because I know I can tell wrestling fans if they buy a ticket and go see your show, it's worth more than what they paid for the ticket. And that's appreciated in this day and age. And so, I appreciate you saying those kind of things. And, and we, like I mentioned, we just canceled our tour officially yesterday because the restrictions in the month of May aren't going to be lifted. But we do suspect they will be 
back in some some play come the fall. So we do have October and November dates booked, including stops in Red Deer and Edmonton in your neck of the woods. So we'll be announcing those probably over the weekend. So stay tuned to that. We'll be bringing you all kinds of stars that you'll be uh, having access to and being able to see live and in person and do it with. Excellent. Well, thank you very much, Danny. We enjoy talking with you and we wish you the best of luck. Folks, check out all the links and all the things we talked. Hotshot Danny Duggan, one of the best wrestlers I know in Canada. I, I always want to say Western Canada, but I don't know how you need to call Winnipeg Western or Central. Uh, who knows? Um, <laughs> a little bit but, of both. And also one of the best promoters I know. So take a look for CWE shows too. So thank you very much. Thank you. All right, we're back. Now, let's get into some AEW. Guys, uh, AEW is a. Uh, <laughs> you know what? My, I'm going to start. One thing I'm going to th- say before we start this whole thing. My wife has she never watches wrestling with me at all. For some reason, she came into the thing the last 15 minutes as I'm watching the main event. The first comment she said to me, she's like, "Huh, it's kind of funny how they have, you know, you be like with your coworkers, a few of you <laughs> out in the stands every now and then. <laughs> Not sure what to think of that." And I said, "Well." WWE has nobody. <laughs> Take it out. You walk out. <laughs> and you're wrestling and there's absolutely nobody there watching. So I'm still I'm still of the opinion it's cool to have those people there. Okay? It's kind of weird it's the same people every week. <laughs> Unless you're Pineapple Pete and you get a push out of it. But anyhow, <laughs> AEW this week. Let's go into some highlights. First of all, we'll go off with Elio. Elio, what's your highlight? Okay, so my highlight has to be uh, my first one is that face to face promo. I because on uh, from Jake's side because Arn Anderson, uh, I didn't find as great as Jake's side of the face to face. Okay, um, Ant, you agree with this as a highlight of any sort? Um, it was actually one of my lowlights, and okay. I feel that way because it just seems like. Jake and Arn were on completely different levels promo-wise, and it didn't help for Arn to make the reference about the piss ant pulling a truck and because we're men or something like that. I just didn't <laughs> get that typical vibe that I would get from Arn Anderson, say, in his heyday, if you will. Yeah, he's yep. aging. But, you know, you look at Jake, you see that as he has progressed age-wise, he's still able to cut a promo. So I just felt like there was a distance between the two. All I could think about was uh, Arn Anderson brought a knife to a gunfight. <laughs> Man, did he get spanked. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, going into, I'm sorry, but in active wrestling this year, these year days, do you really need super old wrestlers facing off against each other? You know, they can't really fight. They're too damn old to get in the ring. Um, we both know medically that neither of them can be cleared. <laughs> so it seemed very strange to even have this sort of thing especially considering the fact is name me once that you've seen Arn Anderson in the last I don't know two months <laughs> I, I mean he has not even been around yeah. so all of a sudden he's advocating for Cody again I, I I almost forgot that he was Cody's what is he Cody's coach oh, he's Cody some coach Cody yeah okay. not even a manager he's his coach yeah so <laughs> Um, yeah, came off as, came off pretty darn flat to me. I'm sorry. With the clipboard. Don't forget his clipboard. Oh, yeah. I always thought he was going to whack somebody with that thing. All right. All right. Uh, uh, and. All right. So 
for me, my highlight was Orange Cassidy and Ray Phoenix. It was the, you know, fast-paced match that I expected. Um, you know, I enjoyed uh, Phoenix's, I guess, assassin or aggressor type style versus Cassidy. Um, King of Sloth style, if you will. Um, I even like the post-match melee, you know, that took place where all of the competitors from the ladder match got into play. Now, what absolutely astonished me was that high spot that Ray Phoenix went for when he went for that springboard, um, whatever that springboard moonsault was, and then he missed his, you know, intended targets and mostly connected with the floor. And I was like, ooh, that's rather dangerous for someone to go for a couple of days before a pay-per-view. Like, you want to make sure you actually make it to the pay-per-view and participate. You know what? Uh, I was going to throw out a prop to you about uh, usually you write, like, uh, good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah. I thought it was extremely ugly. Everybody took the time to uh, get ready for the because you can always tell when a wrestler is going to do the move thing. Everyone yeah. kind of bundles up together. They all took the time to bundle together, but they forgot to catch him. <laughs> if I was Ray Phoenix, I'd be extremely pissed because it looks yeah. like they tried to catch him after they realized, oh, shit. <laughs> he came down. I showed it to my wife. She's like, oh, my God, he hit the cement before his legs hit down. Yes. I said, I think they were supposed to catch him. First, right. <laughs> <They're not. laughs> you know what? That was a pretty darn good match. Um, I think this is the best way to present um, Orange Cassidy. Have him out there doing the excruciatingly not getting involved, being blah, blah, blah. I think if we saw the same kind of match every week we saw here, it would die quickly. Spread it out over big increments. I mean, it was a tremendously fun match in the beginning and the progression of the story. There came a point where he just got pissed at Ray Phoenix doing his crap and he lost it. And then all of a sudden he was moving like 100 miles an hour. Yes coming off with moves left and right and pinning combinations. And that was awesome. Um, I think it's a good way. Uh, what set the stage for me right off the beginning. Remember last week he was standing there, Ray Phoenix run over and knees him in the head. Yes. This week he just calmly steps back, <laughs> lets him go flying by. And then doesn't even act like anything. Just walks in, rolls into the ring. And it was just so good watching him get under the skin Whoa. of Ray Phoenix. Even with the mask on, you could tell that Phoenix was getting hot and getting right. pissed. And everything he was doing, that cast, he was basically just laughing him off. And he's already a little guy, so you know he's got little guy complex issues. So. <laughs> but you know what? Good match, and I'm going to have to agree with that. Um, I want to point out, for me, a really good uh, thing that I th saw was I actually enjoyed the women's four-way a lot, too. Mm -hmm. um, you know, last week's, uh, it seems like every one of these matches they've had the little while – Everybody seems to rise each week to, you know, like last week, Britt Baker, you could not keep your eyes off her, the antics she was doing. The week before, uh, you couldn't keep your eyes off Sheeta. She was every, you know, this week, Statlander, really, she was on point tonight. You know, sometimes she can be a little bit sloppy. Sometimes she can miss a thing or look a little off. Tonight, she was right on point. Indeed. Now, the only problem I have with all of this, and I'm not trying to be a dick, but let's face it, Nyla Rose is really not coming off as being able to even run with these girls at this level. You know, she's just sort of plodding in there. In my opinion, she's not really – I mean, you look at their performances, it's hard to believe she's the champion. You know, she seems to me like the Tamina Snuka, the girl who should be taking the pin. You know what I mean? And, I mean, if you guys are wrong, tell me. But 
uh, I just really, the only spark, the only thing that made me look at Nyla Rose and go, yeah, cool, was last week when she uh, came up behind Sheeta and said, oh, I have a gift for you, and then whacked her in the face with the Kendo stick. And said, that, was that, was play, that was the most personality <laughs> I've seen from her. Yeah, but we didn't get that again this week. Um, props to Britt Baker. Man, she is such a freaking oh. heel. <laughs> her partner had to choke her into the ring to get her to wrestle. <laughs> It has been it. difficult for me to, I guess when I guess when we first started this whole thing, it was difficult for me to find anything to praise about Britt Baker. Over the last month, I mean, she has progressively gotten better. And for her to be a heel towards a heel, to say, oh, no, you're fine. You got it. You shoot in the match within another next, within what, the next five seconds or so. We're good. We're fine. Yeah. That was awesome. That was an excellent, or, or that was a nice element that add to that match, and you know, to bring tension amongst those four women all together. So, you know what I think? I, I think Britt Baker's been listening to the show. She's listening to our criticisms. <laughs> I think she's been listening to the show. That's why she said, "I think I better change." Otherwise, TJ, Elio, and Antoine are gonna get on my case. Well, you know what? I bitched a lot about that she should have a glove on and she was going to stick her. And all of a sudden, lately, she's been putting a blue glove on and sticking Maybe she is listening. If so, Chris Baker, my personal email is. Sorry. Photos. Photos. Anyways. I think I get all perv here. Anyhow. No, Britt Baker has been pretty, pretty tremendous. Each of these girls have really shined. I want Nyla Rose to shine. I want this division to get off the thing, but she's going to have to do something a little bit more. What she's doing now, I don't think she's coming off as being in the same caliber over these girls. I think any one of these three other girls you could almost see as being a champion. You could see uh, Britt Baker as the chicken shit heel champion, always hiding out. You could see Statlander as the powerhouse. You could see um, Hita being, you know, like uh, the the Hita being, a, you know, international flavor. It just mm -hmm. it works on those three, but it's not going well with with Nyla Rose, and I don't know what it's going to take. Um, mm -hmm. I think if she's a big girl and wants to wrestle like a big girl, then do big girl stuff. Don't get beat down all the time, constantly. Big, the one, the one monsters thing I don't see, take beatings all the time. The one thing I want to see is like I want to see like different women, like because they we always see the same ones every week, but like we never see the ones that are usually on dark, like Sadie Gibbs, Shanna. We haven't seen in a while. Mm -hmm. Well, this COVID thing, yeah, really taking out the Canadians and European wrestlers. Who <laughs> I, I do believe Shanna is from Portugal, so she's back home. And yeah, I get that. I get that, but. Uh, thank God they're not showing. What's the chick, uh, Penelope Ford? Ugh. Sadie Gibbs is Australian. Quick question. Do you think yeah. maybe Nyla is trying to dial things down a bit to kind of balance the competition between herself and the other wrestlers so that she doesn't look overly dominant? Well, I think the problem Over here them? is, I think the problem is she doesn't have enough technical skill. Okay. To, to do this I think she if she's going to be in the top go with what your talent go with what your strength are her strength is obviously she's very strong and she's showing us yeah. that so go with it be the monster be more dominating I mean nothing is more exciting than seeing the baby face get beat down beat down then overcome the odds and mm -hmm. rise up and win well you know what when you're the big scary monster that's the role you play. You play the monster who dominates till you get overthrown. Then later on, they repackage you and you play the second hero who's unsure of themselves. You know what I mean? I think she's just taking the wrong approach for what she has as package. Hmm. I think that she has potential. I mean, if she played the monster role 
more effectively, we would buy her more as a champion. But if you're going to be the monster, I mean, how many times did Andre the Giant get beat down before he made the comeback? You don't. Monsters don't get beat down. Mm -hmm. They slip up. They make mistakes. They lose by the wrong step, by getting overconfident. Monsters don't consistently get beaten down and then rise up and hulk. That's what uh, the baby face is. And she's not a baby face, okay? She's by no means a baby face. So that's why it's making her seem like... I see what she's saying. Yeah. When you put her in with high-quality wrestlers who are going for their own stick, I mean, look at Britt Baker. Britt Baker isn't that talented of a wrestler. She doesn't have the work rate that the, that Statlander or um, Sheeta has. Yeah. So she, real, she takes her strengths, and she looks like a credible person who could be champion. Why? Because she's willing to do the chicken shit heel thing. She's willing to play her role to the, to the thing. You know? Statlander. She's a powerful girl, but she plays the spaced out alien who comes back and does the thing and makes her lovable. Sheeta plays the, the Asian assassin who's with the concise things but can be taken out because she gets confident. Those are your strengths. Nyla Rose hasn't, she started, the problem is here is we know she's strong. Or do we? We've mm. assumed she's strong because she's big. But the thing is they haven't packaged strengths with her. You know, it's easy to look like a giant monster when you're fighting that tiny, skinny. What was that chick's name? Riho. Yeah, Remember Miho. little Riho? <laughs> Miho. What was her name? The first champion. Yeah, you can look like a great monster when your person is like one third your size, and you can just swing them around. But I think the problem is they never gave her that strength with other wrestlers, so it really just makes it look like she's somehow the champion. It's hard to justify why she's the champion. In I'm my mind. Here. I'm sitting here and I'm listening to you and I don't know why the word or, or the image of Vader keeps coming to mind. And okay. I hope that Nyla could transition to be AEW's Vader of the women's division. Just yeah. utilize it. She may not have the athleticism that Vader does. Like we're not going to see her do a moonsault off the top. No. Things of that nature. But she's big enough to throw someone in the corner and then run at him and squash him and, you know, just toss him mm -hmm. to and fro. So I see what you're saying as her, in terms yeah. of her utilizing that aspect more. So I don't know. Hopefully her game can polish, be polished to a point where we see more of that out of her and, you know, she is legitimately performing as a monster. Well, here's another thing too. And I guess we, we probably forgot because of this whole COVID thing and stuff going on yeah. is AEW probably didn't let her be the monster because they had a monster. Remember awesome they had Kong, a monster, yeah. awesome Kong who went off to go shoot the second season of the Netflix thing. Mm -hmm. So when she comes back, they're going to make her the giant monster. So maybe mm. Nyla's just not big enough to be as big as Kong. So, yeah, what do you do with her? You know, that's, that's, that's a good quandary because, like I said, I want this uh, to succeed. I want the women's division. There are some really talented women in there. Mm -hmm. And I want Nyla Rose to succeed. Yeah. I do. But I don't think uh, what they've given us so far with her makes her seem like a credible champion. And I have a problem if you're not going to build the strength. of your, your division is built on your champion. Okay? Um, John Moxley's a great example. There's a dude who looks like a big dude. He looks like he could be the champion. You watch him wrestle. He's tough. He's talented. You can buy him as a champion, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's hard buying Nyla right now because they haven't given us enough to make it seem like she is anyway dominating anyone in her division. And that's a problem. Especially when she's on 
like four to five week hiatuses at a time and things. Yeah, that's nature. another thing too. Having the champion lose momentum is is a terrible thing too. Eh? But uh, oh, oh, sorry, Elio. I know you you there was one other thing you really enjoyed too. You you brought up. Yeah, um, the Sean Spears Network. That was Sean's- different. That was different. I I enjoyed that one. It threw me off. I got to say, <laughs> I walked on. I didn't like, know what I to think. I wasn't expecting that from Sean Spears. I think it was a little witty. Um, now, I know, Ant, uh, you mentioned you have a problem with this because you've thought of it as a retread. For me, before before you, you tell me about the retread thing, I got to say, I don't watch enough uh, Raw and SmackDown anymore to know it was a retread. So for me, I thought it was okay. What I liked the most, though, for me, the one thing it did was it gave Sean Spears personality. For This is, I think, the first time where I actually kind of got his character a bit, which they failed miserably over the last while to do. Now, you, you felt it was a retread, and explain what that was about. Yeah, so I'm kind of torn with it, and I only say that because, as you mentioned, it was refreshing. We did This is the most personality that we've actually seen out of Spears since he's been with AEW. But when I see SSN, by default, I go back to WWE. I want to say that was somewhere between 2006 and 2008. 2002, I think it was. What year again? Was it 2002? Maybe maybe it was a little further back than that. Maybe it was 2002. But going back to RNN, which was the Randy News Network, and Orton basically had his own uh, news network, if you will, providing us with updates on his injury, because I think he tore his rotator cuff in his shoulder or something along those lines. And so every week we were getting updates on his shoulder. Now, mind you, this is a different angle because he's taking a jab at Cody and Dustin Rhodes. And I guess what really bothered me the most is that you say Dustin Rhodes retired, then in the same breath, you challenge him to a match at double or nothing. Is he retired or is he still active and you want to see him at double or nothing? So a couple of things that they could have tweaked a fix there, but overall just him projecting some personality was refreshing. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm in the mind, like I said, it gave the most personality I saw. Um, I found it really dumb that, yeah, um, he's, because then I'm in my head, is like, is this true? Like, is he, is he mocking the fact that Dustin has retired? Right. But then he goes into that. And then I'm like, now I'm even more confused because I don't know if this is a joke or not. And then, of course, the cheap shot about a hard pill to swallow. Oh, well, you knew about swallowing pills, you know, a couple of years ago and stuff. And then everyone knows Dustin Rhodes' history of drug abuse. And she's like, okay, (laughs) it's starting now not to be as cool as I thought. (laughs) All right. Here's the hard part. Let's get into the the lowlights. Ellie, throw me a lowlight from your uh, pocket. Dean Ambrose versus 10. I can't believe the, uh, I, a number. I don't know why they would do just go with a name, 10. Okay. But yeah, this wasn't the best way to start uh, the show. Okay. It fell a little flat for sure. Yeah. Uh, I know the problems I had with it for sure were, uh, I love how they kept calling him 10 and 10 and 10. And then all of a sudden they throw an obscure name from some wrestler who was a jobber. Yeah, they mentioned how he was at one time on the show and I'm like, okay, he was obviously a jobber. Do we even really need to know that? If he's nobody of importance, I don't think we really needed to know his name. Do you know what I mean? You put him under a mask, it's not going to be making any difference. I mean, had he been like somebody with a name, 
who, you know, then, oh, you know. But, yeah, okay, that was, you know, blankety-blank-blanks who got pinned on our second So it was like, who really cares? I think it is. Okay, I know that sometimes we accuse John Moxley of being the Stone Cold character, okay? Mm-hmm. And then there are a lot of people who come out and defend, oh, no, he's not the Stone Cold character. That was a whole different thing. And yet he did the most Stone Cold dick thing today is he still attempted to injure the dude (laughs) just for the sake of injuring the dude (laughs) and how many good guys really do something like that okay he took your belt so you're gonna hold a guy hostage (laughs) with the threat of breaking his like hurting a guy severely not a good guy move in any book you know um and did that come, come, come off as weird to you as it did to me? Or did it just come off as a really retread of trying to rip off the Stone Cold character? Well, there were a couple of things that came over weird to me with this okay. angle. One, um, as the Dark Order is progressing to the ring, okay. Brody Lee tells them to stop. Then he goes into his spill. And then he is commanding for Tim to uh, take a proper knee. And then he knighted him his white knight or or high knight or something high knight. Like yeah, high yeah, high knight. <laughs> but then you leave your high knight behind as a sacrifice because <laughs> in these days and times we all have to make sacrifices so ten is going to be his sacrifice and you know just as uh reverend slick told us in his his law of wrestling dynamics where three men are better than two men. Okay, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight men are better than one man. And so why is it that you all can't come together as the Dark Quarter, put the beating on Moxley, and then put some more heat on the match going into Saturday night? Instead, you leave 10 behind to get sacrificed. And I'm like, okay, where is all of this going and what was the purpose of all of this? It, it was just incomplete and, and it fell short of what could have been a decent story going into their match on Sunday or well, Saturday you a, night. You make a great point. I mean, how many times have we seen the Dark Order just always come out a bunch of them and take someone down? Yep. This one time they couldn't take the one guy down by himself. You know no one's going to come out and rescue Moxley. Exactly. He doesn't have any friends. Right. So what was the point? And, and I, the only thing Sorry, the only thing I think that could have saved a bit of this segment mm-hmm. is they should have had like Alex Reynolds or the other guy see the sacrifice and be kind of like, uh, you know, everyone just yeah. calmly walks away. You no, know, I had momentarily forgotten the other guy's name. Yeah, me too. It's still, <laughs> Alex it's Reynolds still, still and come to me. John Silver. Silver. John Silver. John Silver. Okay. Now, I'm sorry, but if you're supposed to be following this guy because he's your leader when he does something that shitty isn't there a little party that kind of would be like uh i'm not even his favorite where the hell am i gonna end up yeah (laughs) it's add another caveat to this where is the once upon a time voice of the dark order uh evil uno where if he and Stu grayson been honest truth yeah they're canadians yeah, they're oh, in Canada. So at least they got a bit of an excuse, but yes. Okay. Okay. I, I bet when they bring them back on on TV, they'll probably explain it like, oh, we're out recruiting new members. Nope. They're gonna come back as the Super Smash Brothers and they're going to try <laughs> and take out the new order. 
Because that's who they were before. Before this started, they were wrestled all through Canada as the Super Smash Brothers. And, and so. I don't know, just looking at the stable as a whole, I, I mean, we see Brody Lee and who he is and, the, I guess, the role that he serves, but he's the only valuable presence for that stable. I feel like his presence has done nothing for the stable as many of us hoped. Yeah, it's done for him. Brody, yeah. He's the only one that's elevated in this process. The rest of the stable, I mean, you don't even see these guys in tag matches. I mean, you just no. saw the guy 10 in a couple of singles matches, but there's <laughs> nothing being done to establish this stable as wants to fear. Yeah. And what about Reynolds and Silver now? They're, they they take off their masks to let them show who they are. Yeah. But they don't do anything. anything ever. Nothing. So, nothing. yeah, this, this whole New Orders thing is just nothing makes it better. Everything they're doing, just nothing. They're just missing the boat yep. on every move mm-hmm. they make with this new, the, the new order, dark order, yep. where the fuck order it is. It's bad order. It's crap order. Uh, sorry. I mean, sorry. those vignettes, like the one in the in the hotel, uh, trying yeah. to re- when they were recruiting Alex. Yeah, those they were actually were, cool. Those were good. Yep. Those were cool. Yep. All right. How about you, uh, Elliot? Oh, sorry. That was your low light. That was my low light. Yeah. Okay, Ant, give me a low light. My low light was let me see. I had a few of them, unfortunately. Um, yeah, I think we all do actually this week. Oh, I, I thought I said it already with the Sean Spears uh, news network. Okay, yeah, we, oh, we, we kind of we did that kind of back. We'll give you another okay. one. Um, we actually touched on this as well, Arn and Jake. Yeah, okay, uh, you have another. Oh, actually, yeah, here's one. Um, the Guevara Matt Hardy main event. What was I thinking about? Oh, um, yes. Not the match. The match I enjoyed, but again, it's, the aftermath. it's not the as as um as I heard as I heard the adage or the ad, as a, or as the edge goes. Excuse me. Yeah. It's not the fire, but it's the smoke that surrounds the fire. <laughs> so the smoke that I'm targeting in reference to this is everything around that match. Okay. So last week's AEW. Um, Guevara walked out. He was borderline crippled, had a neck <laughs> brace on. And this week, I guess that twist of fate from Matt Hardy completely healed him because he has complete and total activity of his limbs. Um, <laughs> even after the match, all right, you give us a nice start with you all kidnapping. Oh, wait, before I go there, I don't know if you all remember, but Sammy Guevara uh, made a reference in that vignette leading into the match saying that you know yeah we're in a circle but we haven't tried hurting anybody yet but trust and believe we'll be successful at hurting people moving forward um so i guess you guys forgot about nick jackson and how you wedged his head between <laughs> concrete in a garage yeah. i guess you forgot about that part right true villains never remember their <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> so then are you sure Nick Jackson didn't slip and fall under there? They were trying to lift <laughs> it up, but it was too heavy. And Okay, anyway, sorry. <laughs> what am I thinking? Maybe he did slip and fall. So then, post-match melee, you uh-huh. have the inner circle having Kenny Omega in, his, in their possession. They're beating him with the bat. And then the, pan, the camera pans left. You see the young bucks. Instead of them actually charging yes! at the inner circle, <laughs> they're standing there waiting on top of the barricades for the inner circle to run at them. Then they jump them. on top of them. <laughs> what, what are we doing here? So then, as the melee continues, uh, Adam Page, who, um, 
Yeah, Adam Page, who we haven't seen in eons. The last sight that we saw of him, for those who may follow things behind the scenes, he was in North Carolina doing God knows what with all of these color splashes splashing behind him in the background <laughs> with that dynamite opening music playing. You know, for whatever he yeah. did, whether it was putting food in a microwave, taking a drink, whatever. Mm-hmm. He makes a 100-yard dash to the other end of the field to help save uh, the rest of the elite. And then all of a sudden, there's this melee going on with the elite in the inner circle, and the fight just dissolves. No officials there to break up the melee. They all just decide, okay, we hit each other about 10 times. Let's just pull away, talk trash to one another, and threaten to do things to one another at double or nothing. And that's the end of that. And I just felt like they dropped the ball on that post-match melee horribly, especially, again, when we're talking about the go-home show before a pay-per-view. Could have been more action in it, or could have been anything more convincing than it. So, so did you hear the explanation of uh, what this stadium stampede match is going to be? Oh, that that not- two rings are going to be structured uh, at the fifty-yard line. Yeah, the fifty-yard is be like basically yeah. a false count anywhere in the stadium. Yeah. So I guess it's going to be war games on the football field. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know what? And you brought the you brought the one part that. Yeah. Um, you said half of the part that made me just my mind just blow up. Yeah. Okay, so let me get this straight. You're beat. You guys are evil M- MFers. Okay. Right. You've got Kenny Omega. You finally have him spread out. You have the baseball bat. You're finally yes. going to get the turn, but you glance over, see two idiots high enough where they can't really interfere. So you throw down everything you're doing. You let the guy go. You run over to the guys who, yes. by the way, can't get to you because they're way the hell up. You know, so you run up so that they can jump on you. You guys are morons. Yeah. <laughs> like, seriously. Oh, and can we talk about the Jackson brother that had on the mask? I guess yes, the yes, social, a total contradiction of social distancing. Why do you have a mask there fighting? Yeah. I like wrestling sometimes when yes. you throw some reality into it. And I also like wrestling sometimes when you throw a bit of fantasy into it. But this continuous behind the things that don't look anywhere realistic whatsoever. Right. They're so cartoony with people coming out of ice boxes in different costumes and hitting people with golf carts like gingerly. And it just comes off as such bad cartoon crap. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Matt Hardy, I, I think I read somewhere he did an interview, he did that. Uh, is he going to be adding more layers to that character? <laughs> We're going to be seeing even more. Oh. oh God, I I'm just so over Damascus or whatever the hell he is. It's it's yeah. I, I don't, I'm not enjoying this, and it's making wrestling feel dumb. Okay, yeah. I hate that. I don't want to watch a show that I enjoy the things in it, and then the end feel kind of like I'm a dummy for watching it. Because mm-hmm. when you see stuff like that at the end, it doesn't come off as cool. It comes off as overly staged. You're a dummy kid watching cartoon crap. Yep. performed by real people, and. Uh, that was not cool. That was one of my low, definitely, that was my best, biggest low light yeah. of this whole show. Um, one other thing I got to point out, and I want you guys to keep an eye on this. I am really not liking how they're presenting Luchasaurus at the moment. Um, I don't like how Wardlow is so big that everyone, he can just move when, like, did you notice when, they, last week, he grabs Marco Stunt, whacks him into the thing, mm-hmm. right? Now, somebody did that to my friend. We're out to a bar together, guys, and I look over and somebody's punching Elio or you. 
I'm running over there and I'm not stopping and looking down and going, are you okay, man? I'm running over there and throwing a punch at that dude, whoever did it. Yeah. Luchasaurus is this big, massive guy. He runs over, glances at Wardlow, and this goes, are you okay, Marco? Are you okay? Like he's almost afraid to confront Wardlow. And then this week, uh, they go running into the to chase out MJF. MJF scats out of there. Wardlow just sort of walks by so slow that Jungle Boy runs past him <laughs> to, to, to give a kick to MJF. When, if he's so mad at this, why would he just kick Wardlow in the back of the ring? <laughs> right. I mean, you know Luchasaurus is behind you. But no, they give Wardlow enough time because he's super slow to walk out, give a menacing look. And Luchasaurus just kind of kind of glares at him, but doesn't get close enough to throw a punch. And once again, uh, looking I, I like he's a big pussy in a mask. Luchasaurus is gonna have to is gonna have to be careful. We see more of this. He's, he's gonna have to go in the book. Well, the thing is, he's a big dude, and they're writing him because they're trying to make Wardlow look like he's a monster. Mm-hmm. But you're sacrificing the credibility of a big guy doing this. Now, let me ask you guys this. Yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong. But didn't we have like a similar run-in or exchange with Luchasaurus and Jake Hager when Inner Circle and Jurassic uh, Express had, you know, when they butted heads, it was like there was a comp, you know, they ran into each other, Luchasaurus looked, but then there was no forward movement in him actually having a run-in. I'm like, we have big guys in the same vicinity within reach of each other, but then Luchasaurus clams up. Like, yeah. What's the deal here? And he's in it, you bring up a good point. It didn't make Jake look bad. It didn't make Wardlow look bad. Yep. It made Luchasaurus each time look bad. Yep. And that's some bad writing. Uh, obviously, you know, I mean, if they, were, if they told him what to do better, it would look better. But they're doing him a disservice. They're, they're making him not seem like a monster anymore. Okay. And uh, there's another thing, too, is like, uh, it's confusing who they're trying to push out in this team. It's obviously Marco Stunt is the sacrifice dude. He's the guy who gets beat up so one of the two other two could avenge them, right? But now you're making uh, Jungle Boy look more of the focal than Luchasaurus? Yeah. Which doesn't make sense because he's always deferred to Luchasaurus. But at the same time, you're making Luchasaurus kind of look like a scared-ass pussy when it comes to fighting guys his own size. He's okay to run in there against little guys, but put him in there with a guy his own size, all of a sudden now he doesn't want to get involved? Yep. Not cool. Not enjoying that presentation at all. Uh, for me, that's, a, that's not a good thing. That's a low light, yep. for sure. Um, anything else you guys want to tackle on the show this week? Anything else that popped in your head you want to discuss? Okay, well, all in all, uh, I know, uh, you know, we just talked a few seconds before we went on air. I know, Ant, you felt that this week's uh, AEW wasn't as good as last week's. Mm-hmm. I felt maybe it was, but now that I'm looking at some of the lowlights, I was just excited that there was two really good matches, but two matches over a two-hour period may not be the best anyways. <laughs> so I'm going to start things off and say that I'm going to give this one a C this week. That's where I'm going to rate it in, the, okay. in my ratings, a C. Uh, Ant, what do you want to give it? Make that two Cs. Two Cs. What do you think, Elio? I'm going D-minus. B minus. Okay, you thought a little bit better than we did. But yeah, um, you know, last week's NXT blew away. I haven't got a chance to look at it, obviously. We just finished watching uh, uh, AEW. We'll take a quick look at NXT this week. Uh, I'd like to see AEW do better, but uh, it's been a rough 
rough one. Yep. All right. So we're going to go to a quick uh, break here. Before we go to a quick break, I want to talk about the uh, Wrestling POV t-shirt. There is a t-shirt for sale. You can get it at Pro Wrestling Tees backslash WPOV Wrestling. $19.95, I believe, is the price. Comes in four designs. Looks great. Help Rick Serrano get through junior high. This money we're all putting in so that we can further his education and get him and his puppet through grade four. That's right, through grade four. Help us. Four T-shirts, four grades. We'll get Rick through it. Buy these T-shirts. Maybe we'll get Tony a, a pacemaker. He's an old dude. He needs help. But whatever you know, these T-shirts, this money goes to help the poor, decrepit guys. Rick, what is his name, Durango the second, And uh, Tony dinosaur whatever those two dudes are they need your help okay buy the t-shirt and you know what you can always get a hold of the real cool guys of the wpov slash mma world we're talking about the global guys we're talking the mma guys <laughs> elio tell the good people where they can write us hey on at, on facebook at wrestling pov podcast instagram at wrestling pov one and wrestling pov on twitter all right. And you know what? I said there are three shows. There is wrestling POV. Those are the other guys. There's WPOV Global. That's us. And one of us, one third of us has his own show. We're talking about our good friend Ant the Liberated. We're talking about the MMA show, which you can catch. Where can we catch all these shows, Ant? So MMA POV podcast can be heard or streamed on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Podbean. There you go, folks. We're going to cut away to a, a, a little bit of a bonus this week. We're going to cut away to a, a small interview I did about two years ago uh, while working with a different show, but it's my interview. It was one of my shows. And uh, it's going to be a little look at Nikita Koloff. So, you know, a famous uh, Russian wrestler who's not really Russian, as you're going to find out in the interview. He talks pretty normal. Uh, we're going to talk to Nikita Koloff. When we get back, we're going to take a really quick look at MLW. We're going to talk about AEW's Double or Nothing. Is that what it's called? Money mm -hmm. for nothing, and the chicks are yep. definitely going to be for free. We'll see you guys after the break. Hey, fans, welcome to another edition of Gutbuster uh, Radio. Today, this is always one of my remarkable chances. When I get a chance to talk to a guy who truly, and I'm not buttering him up, but is a guy who is an actual legend to me because I remember being 15 years old and watching the biggest, scariest Russian i ever seen attacking my beloved Dusty Rhodes. I'm talking about the Russian nightmare Nikita Koloff. Nikita First of all, welcome to Canada. Have you been up here a lot? You, you know, it has been 30 years since I've been to Canada when I wrestled in uh, Hamilton and, and Kitchener, Ontario, for uh, Moscow Mania uh, way back when. And then, and then 50 years ago, I, I traveled to Thunder Bay, Ontario with my grandmother and my uncle on, on, on holiday. And that's been my only ventures into Canada. So I am thrilled on this tour across Canada. Well, you know what, uh, you may not believe it, but Western Canada has always had such a big affinity for wrestling, and your name still carries so much memory and richness for fans today. Uh, so many people that I know were asking me, can you talk to this guy? Like, if, if we can't get to see him, like, Nikita Koloff, come on, we grew up being afraid of this guy. And let's, let's reverse back to 1985, in the early 80s. Okay. You've come up, and you are given the Russian gimmick. First of all, did you find it weird that you were all of a sudden a Russian? Well, um, I, I learned later on, because what I did was, when, when I accepted the opportunity to, uh, to be Uncle, Uncle Leibon's nephew, Chateau uh, 
when I accepted that that opportunity, um, you know, I took several months there where I didn't speak any English other than in the car I drove in, and many times not even in the dressing rooms, and uh, which which some of the guys in the business I found out later had heard the stories that there was this shooting Russian in, in, in the, you know, Carolinas. And, and one of my buddies, Barry Darso, was like, dude, I should have known it was you, you know. But, um, and, and so, but what I did is I just projected uh, myself into that role. I've later come to know it as, as method acting. I didn't know that's what it was because uh, I had no acting background. No, you know, I was a football player, mm-hmm. high school, college, and training for a pro football tryout. So when I got the opportunity and, and I was developing that character, that's, that's what I did. I just projected. I had a mindset of what that would look like and just projected myself into it. And you know what? You had success very quickly. You went. You came in as as the nephew, and the next thing you know, the nephew is fighting in the main events. He's fighting against some of the biggest guys, against Ric Flair, against Dusty Rhodes, and he's even making the bad guys seem like good guys because they're all so terrified of your imposing strength and bigness. How did that feel just to be shooting up straight like that? One minute you're you're practicing to be a Russian, the next minute you're main eventing. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. When I talked to Don Kernodal, who him and Sergeant Slaughter were really credited with coming up with the actual storyline of a nephew for Ivan. Every time I bump into Don, he's like, dude, I can't believe we just threw you in the in the mainstream like that, you know, or in, in the limelight into the, you know, into the main events. But yeah, it wasn't within two or three months, um, really my first main event against the Rock and Roll Express in uh, Conway, South Carolina. And that kind of set the tone. Next thing you know, like you said, I'm in the ring with Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, legendary to the Mid-Atlantic, Johnny Weaver, Rufus R. Freight Train Jones. I mean, the list of, uh, you know, legends goes on, right? And so I feel very, very fortunate that in that first year, I got to step in the ring with, with many of these who, who really just embraced it. And many of them were in the twilight of their career mm-hmm. and, and yet were putting me over in the ring and, and, you know, right in the square, right in the middle, you know, one, two, three, right in the middle. And so I feel very fortunate to have had that kind of opportunity. Well, one of the greatest contrasts, too, was uh, the very stoic, mean Russian taking on the loudmouth Dusty Rhodes, who would shoot his mouth off and, and carry all kinds of things. What was he like to work with? You know, that's really kind of where we came up with the, 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 the nickname, the Russian Nightmare. Obviously, the American dream, Dusty Rhodes, and out of that came, I'm going to be your worst nightmare. In fact, I'm the Russian Nightmare, you know, kind of deal. And so... Dusty was instrumental too. Now Ivan and Don uh, taught me the mechanics of wrestling. You know, because when I the the day I, I embarked on wrestling, stepped into the wrestling ring, I'd never even hit a ring rope, and I was having my first match on television, without zero experience. I mean, no training, no amateur background, nothing. And so to have Ivan and Don work with me and train me and teach me the mechanics and psychology of wrestling. Dusty comes in, and I started doing some arm wrestling things with Dusty and some, some matches with Dusty. He was instrumental in, in the success of, of Nikita Koloff as well as several other guys. Now, in the 80s, you're, you're getting very big. You're, everyone's, uh, you're a main eventer wherever you go. But then a tragedy happened within your family, and it derailed your wrestling for quite a while. And uh, can we talk about that for a few minutes? Yeah, I had... Uh, and she was actually my girlfriend at the time. Um, she had been diagnosed with Hodgkin's cancer, and she started battling that that uh, nasty disease and uh, chemotherapy, radiation, lost all her hair, and and actually got it into remission. And then um, uh, 
it came back rather quickly um, for for a second time, and this time much 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 more ser- even more serious. And so it was at that point uh, that I did two things. One, um, we got married, and uh, I wanted to give her however many months or hopefully years at the time that she had left, the, you know, some some joy and some hope and joy. So we did that, and then secondly, though. I made a decision to uh, take a sabbatical from wrestling and walk away, which which they weren't real thrilled about in the ivory tower uh, that I was putting, you know, uh, really a dying wife before my wrestling career. However, uh, it was a decision I knew I had to do, and it was the right decision, bottom line. Well, I do know back in those days I used to read all the Apner mags and all the, the false stories they put in to make things seem more dramatic. But I remember that story in particular, and I remember that being very touching to me, even at, you know, being in high school. I was actually extremely touched by that, and mm. what an incredible, uh, you know, I just, it just got me right there that, you know, mm. somebody not only have to suffer through that, but to make those kind of sacrifices and, and to stand up for somebody like that. And for that, I really applauded you. And I know later on you came back for a bit as a more sympathetic, like how could anyone, knowing that story, like sure, you no matter what you did, took a chainsaw to kids in school, they'd still say, uh, that's the guy. <laughs> well, you know, the interesting thing about that is, of course, we did the turn. Eventually we did Magnum TA had a car wreck. And then we did the turn, Dusty and I, uh, you know, it became the superpowers. And uh, after did the, the magazine cover with my headshot with the tears coming down my cheeks. You know, I, I cry a tear for Magnum TA. That angle was so strong that when I made the decision to come back after, after Mandy's death, they wanted to make me heal. And I said, guys, I go, it's not going to work. And they go, oh, no, we're going to put you against one of the hottest baby faces, Lex Luger. I'm going, I'm going it's not going to work. So they tried it, and it was 50-50. 50% of the crowd cheered me. Now, I've been gone two years, keep yeah. in mind. So a lot of times, out of sight, out of mind, right? Yeah. But 50% of the crowd cheered me, 50% cheered him. So for those who, who remember, then we did the deal. That they were like, oh, okay, I guess you're right. Well, we'll put you against Sting. He's the hottest baby face. Yeah. So then we did the deal where Luger ducks, and I hit Sting, and we fight out the door into the parking lot, and we have our angle. And it was better, but it was still 75-25, you know, 75% for him. Then finally they, they got it, and they go, yeah, you know what, I guess maybe you're right. And, and so then I did this, the appeal to Sting with the little stinger, which a lot of people don't know, but the little girl I brought in the ring for that interview with Jim Ross was, uh, was my daughter, uh, my oldest daughter at the time. She was my little stinger. Hey, who, who, do, you, who do you like best? Sting! You know, so anyway, so yeah. So, and, and so, yeah, so we had that run. Well, you know what? Uh, one thing that's obvious in your life is so many big events uh, that would affect people so many ways. I mean, you could have been really uh, bitter. You could have been very angry and upset. You could have walked away from wrestling from people uh, with a horrible thing like that to happen. But obviously you found solace in something. And, and what was that for you? Well, you know what? It's interesting because uh, it, the, the it was my first taste of, of really death, being close to death watching uh, Mandy, uh, you know, Mandy die. I was, I was there. I spent the last six weeks of her life sleeping on an egg crate in the intensive care room in Huntsville, Alabama, you know. So it was very humbling experience and, and really eye-opening in, in how short life can really be, the brevity of life. Um, and so I, I look back now and I feel like it was the Lord beginning, honestly, to soften my heart towards what would later happen after I left wrestling, less than a year after I left wrestling. Mm-hmm. So now I know, um, I understand you're on a 
you have a very big journey with God right now. You're on that path. Tell us a bit about what that is for your life today. So I, I leave wrestling, and, and you know, I've reached this kind of a pinnacle, if you will, climb the ladder of success in professional wrestling, have this storied career, um, you know, the quote fame that comes along with that, notoriety literally around the world, um, name, face, likeness. But yet uh, the realization I came to in 1993 was that something was still missing. There was a, I'm like, is this it? And through business contacts, and it was invited to a church service. Didn't grow up in church and didn't grow up in Russia, for the listeners out there, um, just in case you didn't know. But um, I did grow up in church, but I went to this, this church service in North Carolina, first time I'd ever been there. And, and that day, that was my divine moment, my divine encounter, because there was just a tugging of my heart at the end of that service. I was the first one to the altar on my knees, giving my life to Christ. I was 11 months after I left wrestling. And, uh, and that was, that was a, a real transformation for me. That was a real encounter with Christ uh, on that morning. And that put me on a path that here 20, almost 25, I think, years later now, right, or 24, whatever it is, 20-something years later, that I've now had the privilege of traveling to 25 different countries, ministering in 25 different denominations, um, sharing the good news, and literally, literally seeing tens of thousands of people respond to an altar, whether it was in a wrestling venue like this tonight or, or other venues, church, church settings or crusades or revivals, um, that you can't put a price tag on, on that. Yeah. Wow. Now, I did notice you were selling a book. Yes. What is the book about? I've got three. Uh, wow, three. <laughs> got three. The first one was called Breaking the Chains. It was designed really, a, a, they can get it on Amazon. It was like a handbook to Christian living. Like, what's it mean to be a Christ follower? What's that look like? And so it's a very simple book. Someone in elementary school could read it. Someone who's 70 years old that, that just gives their life to Christ could read it and, and understand the basic principles of what it means to be a Christ follower. Second one was more designed for the, for the really the secular community called Wrestling with Success, Developing a Championship Mentality. Actually co-wrote that with a good Jewish friend of mine. So we got the Jew-Gentile thing going on there. <laughs> Old Testament, New Testament. Peace from the Middle East. Peace from the Middle East. <laughs> and then the latest one with William Murdoch. Uh, I told my story to my dear friend William Murdoch, who's a wrestling historian. It's called Nikita, A Tale of the Ring and Redemption. It actually covers as far back as I can remember to basically present day now. But I tell people more important about that story than my story is if people's an avid wrestling fan, William goes back into the 1800s on the, on the roots of professional wrestling. I mean, the Frank Gotches, the, you name it, Luthez, the, yeah, the, the history. Of their, they like it, wrestling history. Wrestling fans will love that book beyond my story. Now, uh, fans who uh, are listening to this and are interested in these books, they are available, yes? Where, yeah. where would be the best place? Can they get them through you, or is it better they, to they, look at Amazon? Yeah, or? they can go to Amazon.com, or, or they can uh, you know, go to NikitaKoloff.com. Or mm-hmm. Amazon's probably the easiest for them, um, but they're, they're, they're all out there and available, yeah. Now, if we also get some uh, Christian groups or uh, things that uh, obviously you open up to seminars and, and speaking engagements, how would people contact you to... Uh, to do look at something like that yeah and i i do lots like i say lots and lots of ministry men's ministry men's breakfast men's dinners i do i preach on sunday mornings you know when churches have me in there's lots uh lots of different um lots of different venues that i i minister in 
to a variety of audiences from youth to, to, to you name it. Lord opened up lots of lots of doors. Um, I would say that probably the best way is just directly email me, uh, Nikita S as in Sam mm-hmm. Koloff at gmail.com. Nikita all, all S. All one word. All one word. Nikita S Koloff at gmail.com. Just direct message me. Well, you know what? I want to thank you for taking this time to talk with us. Um, You've been very inspirational. You always have been in my life. It was a very inspirational story when I was in in high school, and uh, I really appreciate this chance you to talk with you. And uh, is there any one last thing you want to say out to people that might be listening? You know what? Um, wherever, whatever station in life somebody's at, whatever point, what you know, in, in life they're at, you know. I realize, I've come to realize at my age that, you know, we're not going to navigate this this life journey unscathed. And, you know, we're all going to go through trials and tribulations and temptations. And, I mean, it's just a part of life. You know, pain is a part of life as much as joy is a part of life. And so I just want to encourage the listeners out there, you know, if you don't have a personal personal relationship with Jesus Christ, that I would encourage you to seek that out. It's not a difficult, complicated thing. It's a very simple thing. It's a very simple prayer. And just just give Jesus a chance, you know, invite him into your heart, give him a chance and and, and see what see what your life is like. Well fans, we just had a chance to talk with Nikita Koloff, inspirational wrestler who was a terror and a nightmare in the 80s, and today is a man of God. So thank you to uh, Nikita and we look forward to seeing you again and wishing you the best in whatever you do down the road. Thank you, my brother. God bless you, and thank you for the opportunity to to chat with the fans. All right, we're back, folks. Um, Let's take – I just want to – we're not even really going to go over it, but I want to ask you guys about MLW Anthology. Now, I know going in, I was a little bit worried, wondering what we were going to get. Was this going to be boring? Was it going to look terrible? I'm going to say, first of all, AJ Kirsch, who we had on the show, who didn't really – couldn't mention a lot – he was very strong in this, I felt. I felt he really guided the show in well. And I hate to say, but this show was on level, maybe even just a little bit better produced than the Fusion show. And I'm not talking just the wrestling in it. I'm talking the whole presentation, put together looks. Elio, what did you think of an, uh, Anthology? Yeah, Anthology was really great, especially that, that opening, the intro. Really, mm-hmm. really enjoyed that one. And the whole history and the matches and the... Uh, Overall, the whole overall presentation of it was really great. All right. Well. And what did you think, Ed? Um, I enjoyed the anthology every well. Enjoyed every aspect of it. Um, it was definitely a pleasant surprise to see Sabu and how he has changed his whole approach in the ring. Like he's more mm-hmm. technically sound now. So kudos to him. And I'm forgetting the gentleman's name from the first match, but Shaka, just, Shaka, ah, yes, Spaka. Yes, yes. No, anyways, so, um. definitely enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <yeah. laughs> uh, and looking forward to Mance Varner's next week. I must yes, say. you bet. Um, I'm going to throw one really quick story out here. Um, I remember my growing up watching wrestling a lot. My nephew uh, would see wrestling and he'd always give funny comments about wrestling as from kids' view. Okay? Like I remember the first time he saw a wrestling magazine and we were shopping and he's like, Uncle, I'm like, what? And he goes, Why are those guys in their underwear grabbing each other? <laughs> I'm like, okay, from a kid's view who doesn't know wrestling, I guess that's what it kind of does look like, you know, guys in underwear grabbing each other. Um, the one thing that always stuck in his mind is we were watching TNA at the time back in the day, and Shocker used to come on. And he said to me, Uncle, I cannot take Shocker. There is something about the way that guy looks that freaks me out. I just can't take Shocker. And I didn't understand what it was. And all the time, I would always see Shocker, and it would just ring in my ears. Uncle, Shocker freaks me out. I can't watch this guy. <laughs> 
So it was good to see him. I liked how they seamlessly put together a look at a guy, a talk about a guy, show some interesting matches of the past of the guy, but also intertwine MLW stuff new going on. So I'm going to say kudos to the show. I still want to write about it yet because there's not really enough to write about on highlight shows. Okay. I mean, if something super cool happens, I'll do so. Maybe I'll do an abbreviated thing, but let's get into the meat of this last part of our program. The AEW pay-per-view coming up predictions from us. Okay. So I have the card for double or nothing for me. The, at the buy-in, we have the casino ladder match for a future world AEW World Championship match. Darby yeah. Allen versus Colt Cabana versus Orange Cassie versus Ray Phoenix versus Scorpio Sky versus Kip Sabian, Frankie Kazarian, Soros, and uh, one participant that's yet to be named. Okay. And who are you picking winning this one? I'm going to go with Darby Allen. Yeah, me too. I got to say, uh, Darby Allen seems like the most marketable guy out of that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Luchasaurus is obviously a pussy. That's the way they look at him, so he ain't going anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ray Phoenix is in a tag team in a group. I don't think he needs it. Yeah. Um, Scorpio Sky, Frankie Kazarian, don't think they really need it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm going to have to go with uh, Darby Allen. Kip okay. Saban, he ain't going nowhere. <laughs> I'm going with Darby Allen as well. Okay. Watch Let this me all be wrong. Yep. Can I ask you gentlemen something? Yeah. That mystery competitor, do you think this will be a debut of a former WWE superstar? Hell yeah, it's going to have to be. But they're not going to give him a championship shot right away. I heard the, name Drew, I heard the name Drew Gulak. Yeah, I was going to say Drew mm. Gulak. He doesn't have a no-compete clause. so Okay, yeah. That, that's yeah, a possibility. Yeah. Well, makes sense. Okay, next. Okay, next we have Private Party versus Best Friends. And? I think I'm going to go with the Best Friends. They have mm. momentum. Mm -hmm. I don't know why they will stifle the momentum now, especially against a team that we haven't seen on Dynamite and God knows how long. Actually, I stand corrected. We saw them tonight, but they were on the face side of the yeah. empty arena. But in terms of actually being involved in the tag team scene as competitors, it's been a while. So why kill their, why kill best friends' momentum with the private party? Okay. Uh, looking at the way the booking's been going, um, uh, best friends have taken great advantage of being one of the few teams to actually be there. Mm -hmm. They've put a lot of uh, FaceTime in. They've uh, made themselves actually pretty good contenders. I think private party needs to win because they're on the edge of being totally forgotten. We haven't seen them mm -hmm. in so long. I think if they lose this, they're going to be just relegated to jobbers. So I think they need to win it uh, much more than uh, best friends do. Elio, who are you picking? Yeah, I'm getting with the best friends. Best friends. All right. Next up. Next we have Dustin Rose versus Sean Spears. I'm going to start with this one and say Sean Spears needs to win <laughs> yeah. this. I mean, you can only get – Dustin can afford to lose a gazillion matches. People love him. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, his brother is part of the booking committee, so maybe it's his last hurrahs coming up. So, But I'm going to go – I'm going to go with Sean Spears. I think I'm going to go with Sean Spears yeah. as well, um, especially looking at what was done with him tonight. Mm -hmm. He appears to be showing personality. Hopefully this is the thing that they throw to the wall and it sticks. And if that is the case, then continue to roll with it and, you know, accompany that with a win. Okay. At a pay-per-view. Elio? Okay, then we have Britt Elio, Baker. you didn't make your pick. I, I did I did make it. I said Sean Spears. Oh, so we didn't hear. Sorry, didn't catch it. Yeah. Okay. 
Oh, yeah. Next one is Britt Baker versus Chris Statlander. This is a tough one. I want Chris Statlander to win, but I think it would be cooler to have Britt Baker cheat her way to a victory. And especially the way she's uh, with uh, the way she's been presenting herself lately in the yeah. past few weeks. Yeah, I'm going Britt Baker. Okay. Like you, I want Chris Statlander to win, but with Britt's progression as a heel, I think you got to keep giving her a rub. So, Britt Baker with the win. I wouldn't mind rubbing. Anyways, um, (laughs) (laughs) um, but let's, you know, let's also look at the fact is poor Chris Statlander works so damn hard, and it seems like the company dumps on her all the time anyway. I have a question. Where's her problem with her? Where's her problem with her? What I have no there, idea. You know, she performed so well tonight. I, I think it understand. might be those. Well, one of the things too is, you know, they hired Britt Baker sight unseen pretty much. I mean, well, not, sorry, let me correct that. They hired her strictly on site, not on what she could do. Okay. She looked like this awesome portrayal of what a hot diva wrestler could look like. Statlander, while she is attractive in some ways, is not your typical she is no by means a model looking woman. She's kind of like Beth Phoenix was in the beginning where people didn't find her that attractive, but she was strong and powerful, even though she was attractive, just not to the majority of what some guys look at as the frail type woman, you know? And let and us I think not that forget, might be thing. My Sorry? apologies. No, no, let us ahead. not forget, unless a breakup took place that I'm unaware of, she is dating Adam Cole and Adam Cole is friends still, I believe with the upper brass of AEW. Yeah. That, so, that, that helps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, next. Okay, next, we have MGF versus Jungle Boy. <laughs> Gee, I wonder. <laughs> Gotta go with MJF here. He needs, yeah. he needs it much more. What does Jungle Boy really need out of this, really? <laughs> as long as he gets a few punches in the face to MJF. Anton? Jungle Boy is the established leader of Jurassic uh, Express right now, and I think that's all he needs. Um, MJF, especially considering how AEW closed the year with him being the number one contender and he hasn't been seen for some time, I think it's time to, you know, give him some steam once again and propel him to the upper brass of heavyweight title contenders. So, MJF. All right. MJF. MJF. All right, next. All right, next we have Nyla Rose versus Hikaru Shida. No disqualification match for the AEW Women's Championship. Now, ah, (laughs) after tonight's episode, (laughs) had they not ended the way they did, I would have clearly said Nyla Rose was going to just storm through this. But then they had her all laid out and she took the table bump and all this stuff. Now I'm confused because... First of all, as much as I like Sheeta's wrestling performance, yeah. last week she proved she is one terrible, terrible <laughs> yeah. interview promo. Oh my God, it was painful listening to that woman try and talk. Um, and I like trying to give people as much leeway as you can, but even I have got to a point where you're like, ooh, no. <laughs> so um, uh, I don't think Sheeta right now is who want people want for the champ. And I think mm-hmm. Nyla Rose is being saved for someone. You got to save your to the champion to be beaten by someone who could come in. And But then again, hey, if that was the normal thinking, Statlander would have won the title already when she had her chances. So 
Very con- You know what? Screw it. I'll just say Sheeta. I know I'm wrong. It's probably going to be nine of the rows. But AEW doesn't prove they don't even know how to have book half the time either. So, whatever. <laughs> They've got me confused on this one. I'm going to go with nine of the rows. Nine of the rows, okay. I'm a big feast on this one, too. I guess I'll go with the tradition of whoever goes over in the last run-in prior to a pay-per-view, the opposite person wins. And because we did see Sheeta put Rose through a table tonight, I'll go with Nyla Rose retaining her title. All right. Next. Next we have... For the AEW TNT Championship, Cody versus Lance Archer. This is going to be the tough one. Okay, this is the, this is going to be the toughest one to actually figure out what the hell they're going to do here. Uh, this is your last gasp, man. If if Lance Archer doesn't win this, he is a failed experiment. Mm-hmm. On the flip side, Cody has not won something in so freaking long. He's starting to almost become like a failed experiment himself. Uh, I'm going to go and say that they're going to give it to. You know what? They're going to piss. They're going to shit the bed on poor Lance again, and they're going to give it to Cody. For some dumb reason, Cody's going to want to win his first major win here because he's lost every other pay per view pretty much. I'm going to go with Lance Archer just for the reason you, you just said, that if uh, they don't give him something, then it's a failed experiment. Yeah, but they don't seem to be listening to any other steps <laughs> along the way, so that would not be the logic to go for. But Ant, this is a tough one, buddy. Very tough one. Uh, <laughs> <sighs> I guess for me, I'm wondering – what is Mike Tyson's role going to really be in this? Because mm-hmm. he was projected as the guy that's going to present the belt mm-hmm. to the winner. Mm-hmm. Is Mike strictly going to present the belt to the winner? Or will he serve as some unofficial enforcer? And then he and Jake the Snake and Lance have some sort of back and forth. Mike knocks out Archer and that helps Cody win. Um, this is tough. I'm going to go ahead and go with the crazy angle I just mentioned. And Cody, who, again, hasn't won anything significant in some time, it's probably time for him to go ahead and get a belt because ultimately Cody is going to get the AEW Heavyweight Championship. And maybe Mm -hmm. this will be the one thing that will remove that barricade that keeps him from getting the AEW Heavyweight Championship and somehow segues to him ultimately getting in it. So I think Cody becomes the first ever TNT champion. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Then we have John Moxley versus Brody Lee. You know what? Uh it would be ridiculous to let Brody Lee win this. I'm sorry. Uh yeah, I'm going with John Moxley. Mox carries the company. I'm taking yep. the Mox with this one. Make that three for three on Moxley. I mean I don't know okay. why there's a sneaky suspicion within me that has me thinking that they may put the belt on yet another former WWE employee. But Ah. I guess what keeps me away from that is the fact that Brody hasn't done enough. He squashed some jobbers. That's pretty much all he's done. So I really think it was, I think it was way too soon to give him a title shot too. They could have built him up way too soon. They could have had a way better event later on. Yeah. I think they're blowing the load on this one way too soon. All right. 
And then the last match, we have the Stadium Stampede match in their circle versus the Elite. And I think I echo everyone here when I just say, who the fuck cares? It means really nothing. <laughs> this match means nothing. There is no stakes. There is nothing to be gained no. by anybody winning or whatever. And then it's I want to see Matt Hardy fun. biting someone's ear again. Or yeah. toes. Or toes. Right. Kind of weird fetish thing going on. Yeah. To be honest, guys, does it really matter who wins this? No. It may has no consequences or thing. Really, the question here is, uh, does Adam Page finally turn? Does Damascus finally turn? Mm-hmm. What's going mm-hmm. on there? Do, do the Young Bucks turn? Does everybody turn? Is the inner circle the new good guys? Is the elite the new bad guys? I don't know. Tune in next week on a special edition. Well, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, I felt like I was after school there. I felt like I was back in junior high watching the after school special. Chris Jericho says I'm very special. Anyways, um, yeah, uh, you guys can make predictions. I don't really care. It means nothing. You guys pick who you want. I'm just going to go with the inner circle and say it. Okay. And? I'm stuck. I guess one thing I wonder too is could this match also segue for be a segue for a former WWE superstar to make their AEW debut or, or cameo appearance? Mm-hmm. Um, Sarah Logan. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't know. Any, mini, miny, mo. Well, I guess because Elio, you said the inner circle? Yeah. Oh, you, Okay, I'll go opposite and go with the elite. Okay. okay, fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Well, uh, we went a little heavy on AEW this week, but hey, it, there was a lot to talk about. We all got into it this week. We, you know, it was good stuff to talk about. The pay per view. I guess we're gonna have to discuss that next week, guys. So uh, yeah, let's take a peek at that. We'll look at antho- at anthology. Like I said, we'll just kind of give anthology uh, unless something really, really stands up that you need to talk about. And, and if we do, maybe we do. Maybe we've got to spend two minutes talking about or five minutes talking about Mance or whatever. We'll do it. Okay? So, folks, you know what? Uh, we're not even going to add up the – what's the point? You know, we only gave one rating this week. So, obviously, there's – you know, I think we should actually, for now, suspend the points until we have uh, more than one show yeah. <laughs> competing for the points, which isn't very fair. So, we're going to suspend our – we're still going to grade the show that's currently there every week. But we're not going to give any two points, one point, some of that <laughs> junk until we have some shows back on again. Gotcha. To make it a thing. Because if, if that's the case, AEW is going to totally win because they're just going to win every week and get, you know, by the time the other shows start up again, they're so far in the hole, they're never going to get back, you know? So, uh, yeah. folks, you know what? It was a really fun time uh, talking about wrestling. And you did great on the MMA stuff. Missed you Appreciate last week. Man, Glad we had you. Folks, you, you, if you got a chance, last week we did a little something called uh, – uh, WP That's what I was talking about. That's okay. what I was talking about. Okay, we, we did a thing called Quarantine. Quarantine is, uh, for people got a chance to see it, uh, there was also a video version of it where you got to see our lovely cherubic faces uh, talking about, uh, last week we talked about 1980s wrestling, specifically around the Hulk Hogan era and the cartoon wrestlers of the time. Well, we're going to be doing another episode. You might actually uh, see the other episode before you hear this episode. So if you hear this episode and you didn't get to see episode two, go back and look at quarantine number two. We're going to be talking. We've invited two guys over from uh, Wrestling POV. Uh, what was their names? Rick Durango, the 23rd, and I don't know, Tony Diesel or something like that. Um, 
we're going to invite those two jokers over and uh, they're going to come and talk with us. We're going to talk each of us, our five favorite tag teams. Now the criteria here is, and I'm going to, this is this tag team won this many battles or they were this, it's your pick. So my five tag teams are in my head who I felt were the five best tag teams in the world. And we throw in a bonus team of a team who probably doesn't deserve to be on the list, who would never be on anyone's top five list, but you kind of love them anyways. We'll be talking that too. So tune in with us next week when we're going to be talking some more nonsense that we call wrestling. And yes, I do call it AEW Dynamite. And that's TJ, not JJ. <laughs> ah. Anyways, folks. We just want to say, keep safe, keep clean, wash your hands. Don't moistly speak if you're Canadian. You'll know what that means. You might not. You know, the Americans might not know what the hell I'm talking about, but our prime so minister please. talking about moistly speaking. Um, <laughs> keep clean, keep safe. And you know what? It doesn't matter if the COVID thing isn't the real thing. There's obviously something out there that's going to kill us that makes us stay home. So just stay home. All right. And uh, we love you guys. We want to send a special, uh, I don't know, just special love to all you guys stuck at home. I know it's like my job. I got laid off uh, the beginning of all this. I don't even know if there's going to be a job when I get back up, but I'm stuck at home. I have a compromised immune system. I can't leave the house that much while this is still going on. And I'm not going to leave the house until I know it's done. It's not worth dying, okay, over because, oh, I can't go to the mall. I mean, give me a break, guys. Come on. There are people dying and starving in countries and we're sad that we can't stay. We have to stay at home with our cable television and our wives and our pets and our children and our food and Just our money. And, oh my wrestling. God, it's horrible. Ah, yeah. <laughs> Enjoy life, guys. Enjoy the slowdown. I am loving the fact that I get more time to talk wrestling and I get to talk to these two jokers and talk and have some fun. Do it yourselves. Get a Zoom. Hang out and talk with your friends. Don't, don't let this be a burden. Let this be a blessing. Because when this is all over, we're going to have to work like mofos to make money back because there's going to be a lot of money left after the governments are giving us all the money, all right? I'm saying they're going to tax the shit out of us to get it all back. So, <laughs> no so, so guys, uh, anything you want to throw out there, uh, Ant, to the people besides watch that tremendous MMA show of yours? And I don't even know your co-host. You're going to have to introduce that guy. Oh, so my co-host is one of my closest buddies from college. His name is Deontay. And we done a podcast once before we decided to reunite. And we just rode with it and had fun. So, yep. Once again, oh that God. is MMA POV Podcast. And I forgot to mention earlier that we can be found on social media, of course, on Facebook <laughs> at Wrestling POV Podcast. And then on Instagram and Twitter at MMA POV Podcast. And you got to tell me that your theme song is going to be Peaches and Herbs reunited because it feels so good. If not for the whole, I do not own the rights. So I, that, that would be dope. <laughs> <laughs> but then again, it's not appropriate for MMA. I don't know. But oh, it angers some people. <laughs> <Are> you singing? <laughs> Elio, what do you think you want to throw out there, brother? Uh, no, just uh, stay safe, stay home, watch wrestling. All right. Love you, folks. We'll see you next week on WPOV Global. <laughs>